action, and really this, this whole series in, in chapter 11 is about faith in action. It's taken all the truth we've, we've learned, doctrinal truth we've learned through the first 10 chapters of the book of Hebrews, and now, um, like in the rest of Paul's epistles, he starts with a doctrinal foundation and then turns into Christian uh, application for practical living. And that's what happens starting in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, it's a story on the subject of faith, and we learn a whole lot about faith in this chapter of Scripture. Now, just to review, first couple verses of Hebrews, we get a description. I wouldn't call it a definition of faith so much as a description of faith. And uh, we learn several things about faith. Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the Bible says. We learn that faith is my confidence and faith is the evidence of things not seen. We learn that faith is to be my conviction. It's my evidence of things I don't see. Uh, we learn how by it the elders obtained a good report. And we learn how faith is to be our confirmation. Um, uh, as we live by faith, um, it, it itself, the, uh, the life we live by faith itself becomes the confirmation uh, that the promises of God are true. And then faith is uh, through faith we understand the world's reframed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We understand that but once we come to live by faith, we begin looking at the whole world we live in through the lens of faith. And faith then becomes our paradigm. It becomes our criterion. It becomes uh, the way that we view every decision we make and every trial that we face in all of these things. We face it through what God's word has to tell us and not what our feelings might say to the contrary. And so that's important. And as we march through the book of Hebrews, we've started to look at the example of several Hebrew, Hebrew heroes of the faith. Now, who is being written to in the book of Hebrews? It's not a trick question, I promise you. Who's being written to in the book of Hebrews? Hebrews, yes. <laughs> uh, they were Hebrews. They were Jews. They were Jewish believers. But this book of the Bible, uh, inspired by God, preserved for us, has so much application for us as well. And although the original audience that it was written to would have been those Hebrew believers of the first century, uh, we have found how applicable this book really is to us. Um, and, and even so, as we look to the, the story of the life of these, these Hebrew heroes of the faith, many of them who are dear to us, I dare say one or two of these may be uh, one or two of your favorite characters in the Bible. And uh, as we look to their, their faith, they're examples of how they live their life by faith. It teaches us something about how we're supposed to live by faith as well. Uh, he that walks with wise men shall be wise, the book of Proverbs says. And I like what Wearsby said. I'll repeat it again here. The best way to grow in faith is to walk with the faithful. And we're taking a walk with the faithful as we go through the book of Hebrews. By the way, I'm just going to say it. One of my heroes of the faith is sitting right back there tonight. And uh, Brother Eckleberry here with us here tonight. And I love, I love this man and what he's taught me from the Scripture. And every time I get together with Brother Eckleberry, um, he always gives me a verse or something. And he says, you probably already know all of this, but let me tell you something I just learned from the Bible. And I'm sitting there like, okay, if you don't know it, I promise you, I don't know it. Um, <laughs> and uh, so he told me that this morning, and I'm looking forward to sitting down and opening the scriptures and, 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 and studying the Bible a little bit with Brother Eckleberry uh, while he's in town with us here. That's a blessing. I think all of us should have heroes uh, that we walk with through this life, people that help mentor us in our faith, um, but also we can look to the, the record of history 
uh, one of the things that teenagers mentioned on the way home, Brother Caleb Garraway preached the teen rally, and uh, somebody he brought up several times was D.L. Moody. Um, and he just read several quotes and shared several stories from the life of D.L. Moody. And uh, one of the teens said, boy, that guy just talked a lot about D.L. DL Moody. And I think it's good for us to read the, the stories of the lives of men and women of the faith who have gone before us because it inspires us. It helps us understand to some capacity uh, how we're to process the things we're going through in our day and time. Because uh, there's, no, there's nothing new under the sun. The battles they faced in years gone by are not so dissimilar from the things we're facing in this day and time as well. And so we learned a lot about how to practice our faith uh, through the example of these men and women of the faith that we learned about here in the Scripture. Now let me just review for just a minute because we're not going to have long to park on uh, where we've been before. But uh, the, first, uh, the first truth we learned about faith uh, came from the life of Abel in verse number 4. In verse number 4 we read about Abel and we learned what we learned from Abel is faith worshiping. How we're supposed to have a worshiping faith through the sacrifice that he offered there um, that, was, that was based on the, uh, pointed to the finished work of Christ. The second thing we learned was about Enoch and his faith. And from Enoch, we learned about faith walking. Enoch walked with God. We learned something about how to walk through this life by faith in the Lord. The third thing we learned about was from the life of Noah, and from Noah we learned about faith witnessing and how Noah stood as a witness in his day and time and built an ark to the saving of his house and condemned the world, but really uh, condemned the rest of the world that died, but really saved the world that continued on to live. And so we learned about that. And last week we began to look at this fourth truth we learned about faith, and I'll say it for you again, and that is faith waiting. Faith waiting. From Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, from the patriarchs, what we truly learn is how to live with a patient faith. How to live with a faith willing to wait upon the Lord. And I believe that the Lord began to use this in a great way last week as we began to read through this. Now let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11. If you're there, say amen. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 8, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. As we began to look at this waiting faith last week, one of the things we discovered is that a a, a waiting faith will, first of all, live by faith even when you don't know where. Even when you don't know where. In verse 8, as we said last week, Abraham didn't know where God was going to take him. But he just started walking because God told him to walk. And that took faith to trust that he had a God who's going to take care of him, a God who is going to guide him. And so a waiting faith lives by faith even when you don't know where. Marching on to verse number 9, the Bible says, By faith he sojourned, Abraham sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And here we learned from the life of Abraham again last week that a waiting faith will live by faith even when you don't know when. Not only did he choose to live by faith even when he didn't know where God was taking him, but here we find he chose to live by faith even when he didn't know when God was going to bring to pass the things he said he was going to do. And it's the when questions of life that we oftentimes struggle with. We struggle with our faith. And by the way, Abraham had his struggles too. We've learned that from the life of Abraham, remember? Um, 
Sarah was having a hard time having kids. And he kind of took things into his own hands. He didn't know when God was going to fulfill the promise, so he tried to figure it out for God. And we're often guilty of that, all right? Trying to figure things out for God in the waiting moments of our life as we walk through this life by faith. But a waiting faith will live by faith even when you don't know where, even when you don't know when. And the third and final thing we looked at last week was that a, a waiting faith will live by faith even when you don't know how. Now look at verse number 11. Uh, the Bible tells us, Through faith Sarah also herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Here, Abraham and Sarah, against everything that was sensible in their minds, they were told to believe that at a hundred at 99 and, and, and 90 years old, they were going to be able to, number one, conceive a child, and uh, uh, number two, actually bring a child into this world. And that was an unbelievable thing, but they had to make a choice to live by faith, even when, in a very literal sense, they didn't know how. We face a lot of things in this life where God says, I want you to do something, and we say, well, how are we going to do that? <laughs> how are we going to do that? And uh, we, we, again, see a great example of how to put your faith into practice from what the scripture outlines for us here. But as we move on into deeper into the scripture, we're going to pick back up in verse number 13. And we'll slow down a little bit here. Verse 13, the Bible says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say that such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of the country from which they came out of, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a what? A better country. There's that word better again. And once again points to Jesus who is better. A better country that is in heavenly Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Here we see this waiting faith demonstrated again. We're going to see it demonstrated in three more ways this evening before we're done. And uh, 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 the emphasis of this is learning to have a patient faith, learning to wait on the Lord. Here's what we do. When it comes to waiting moments of life, we want to turn to our own schemes, like old Jacob we've been learning about in Genesis. When it comes to the waiting moments of life, we want to rely more on our feelings and our head than we do on our faith in the Lord. That is our tendency as human beings. But as we grow in faith, putting that faith into practice means trusting God when you face a lot of these questions, like the where's, like the when's, like the how's, and like some of the other ones we're going to look at tonight. And uh, we've got to learn to do that as the people of God. I've told this story before, but it reminds me of the guy who was, who was walking down a trail one day. And as he was walking down the trail along the side of a mountain, he slipped off the trail and he, he held on to the side of the cliff of the mountain. And as he's hanging there, there's nobody around, nobody within earshot. He, he had called, he had tried to get somebody's attention, and he finally, as he's hanging there on for dear life, he finally calls out and says, God! If you're there, will you please save me? And when you know what, God's voice came down from heaven and said, okay, I'll save you. And he said, no, thank you. Did you let go of the mountain? 
And the guy thought about it for a minute and he said, he looked back up to heaven and he said, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> that's how we are. That, that's probably a, a, an easy illustration of awaiting faith because God often says, against what our common sense tells us, he often leads us to do things in the questioning moments of life that don't make sense to us. And in order to live by faith, sometimes we're going to have to go against our own head and our, against our own feelings. In order to, it should, let me tell you something. Uh, it sure didn't make sense a lot of the decisions we see these people making in the Scripture. But through the lens of faith, it made perfect sense because they were relying on a wonderful God. And that's the kind of faith we're going to have to practice as, as we look to these other examples as well. And so let's pray together, ask for God's blessing on the rest of our time, and we'll finish this off. Lord, we come before you. We thank you for the time that we could spend in your word. I pray that you'll bless the next uh, 20 minutes or so we'll spend in the scriptures. And I pray you'd make them profitable as you promised you would. This is your word. And I pray that you would allow us to benefit from it here tonight. Your Holy Spirit would work on our hearts in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. What the Bible tells us in the passage of Scripture we just read, in verses 13 through, uh, I believe it was verse 16, it starts off by saying, these all died in faith, not having what? Received the promises. What the Bible makes very clear to us here is that all of the patriarchs, all of them, they died without actually physically obtaining all of what God had promised to them and to their descendants. Now just think about that for a minute. They lived their whole life believing God was going to give it to them, but they never saw it happen in their lifetime in a full sense. And yet, even though that was the case, the Bible says a couple of things about how they lived their life. Notice what it says. It's continuing on in verse 13. The Bible says they didn't receive the promise, but they saw them afar off and were persuaded of them. And they embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. What the Bible says is that even though they hadn't come into physical possession of them, they lived their life convinced of God's promises. They were persuaded. That means, uh, that means to be induced to believe. They were absolutely sold out on the fact God was going to do what he said he was going to do. But not only were they persuaded, but the Bible says that they went so far as to embrace the promises of God. That word embrace, it means to draw oneself to receive something joyfully. Um, and you think about hugging someone, okay? Now, some of you aren't huggers, okay? And so you have a hugger come up to you, and they're drawing themselves to you to receive you joyfully. And what do you do? <laughs> Please don't touch me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, who, who are the huggers in the room? Go ahead and confess, reveal yourself. Who are not the huggers in the room? All right, these people, they need a hug after the service. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you better watch out if you try to give them a hug, okay? Um, in Jesus' name, they'll bless you in a way you don't want to be blessed. So, um, but uh, they embraced these promises. They joyfully welcomed them. They joyfully received them. And what the Bible indicates there is that they joyfully lived in hope of these promises. It was like a friend. They were looking at these promises. They hadn't come to possess them yet. But, boys, they looked on the horizon. They knew the day was coming when their posterity was going to inherit the land. And it was like a welcome friend. They embraced the promises of God. They knew it, that they were going to come to pass. And so they were persuaded of them. They embraced them, and then the Bible says they did something else. They confessed 
those promises. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Now, what does the word confess mean? Well, the, the word confess means to agree with someone, uh, to, to, to say the same thing as someone else. And so what they did is they, they went around in this earth, and when people say, why do you live in a tent? Well, I actually own all this land. What? Yeah, God, God said he's going to give me all of this. They went around saying the same thing that God had said to them. They went around living like, yep, my, yep, my, my father's told me that, that he's going to give me and, my, me and my seed all of this land. That he's going to bless us. That he's going to bless the world through our family. They went around saying the same thing that God said about what he was going to do for them. And this, this, this is powerful truth. And because they believed what God had told them so much, the Bible says they li- that, that Abraham lived in two different ways. He lived as a stranger and as a pilgrim. Now let me give you a definition. A stranger is someone who is away from home. It's a foreigner, okay? A pilgrim is someone who is headed home. We're strangers in this world. This world is not my home. That's the stranger. And what's the next part of the song? I'm just a passing through. <laughs> Where are we going to? We're heading home, okay? We're pilgrims in this world. And Abraham lived, as, as, even as God had promised him, I'm going to give your, your posterity an inheritance down here. Abraham still didn't live for the down here. He lived for eternity. He lived for an eternal home. And that's what the scripture indicates to us. Now, the Bible goes on and says in, in verse 15, And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they had come out, they might have had opportunity to return. And the fact is... There would have been plenty of opportunity to turn around and go right back where they had come from if they didn't believe God, if Abraham and Sarah didn't believe God. But the fact of the matter is they lived their lives reaching forth for something they believed was so much better. Look at verse number 16. The Bible says, but now they desire a better country. That word desire, same idea that's communicated later in the book of Philippians. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. Same word. They desire, they reached, they reached forth for a better country. Isn't that how we're supposed to live our lives too, as the people of God? See, Abraham chose to live by faith even when he didn't know if in his lifetime he was going to come into full possession of everything God was going to do. He he made a decision to go on and live by faith even though he didn't know if, and I love the last part here of this this little text, it says uh, they desire a better country that is in heavenly, and, and the last part says, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called what? Their God, for he has prepared for them a city. You go through the rest of the Bible, and God often calls himself, I am the God of who? Abraham. God, you you think about God. Now, I don't have any problem going around and saying, yeah, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Think about God going around and saying, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of, I'm the God of Jerry. I'm the God of Ron. I don't know about you, but if God had something like that to say about me, that's pretty significant. If God thought so much about my relationship with him that he said, hey, you know, Bruce, yeah, I'm, I'm Bruce's God. <laughs> That's significant. 
Because he chose to live his life defined by a trust in God. And God said, I'm going to put my name on you, son. Because you trust me. And I'm not ashamed to be called your God. By the way, Jesus, in the book of Hebrews earlier we learned, he's not ashamed to sing among his brethren the church. He's not ashamed to be identified with us as his people. Isn't that a a wonderful truth? And as 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 we live this life of faith, we see these truths coming out. And so here we're challenged with this same challenge, that to have such a patient faith as this would mean that we are to pass through this world as strangers and pilgrims. We are away from home, but we're headed home. We're not living for this world. We are to be a part of this world. We're to live in this world, but to not be of this world. Whereas the book of Colossians says in Colossians chapter 3, to set our affections on things things above and not on things below. Because we are dead and our life is hid hid with God in Christ. We have a higher priority to live for. There is a better country we're going for. Friend, I love America, but it's not going to be as good as that better country, and that's the country I'm going to choose to live for. I'll be a part of this country while I'm here. I'll participate as much as God leads me to, but I'm living for the better country. And I don't know if in my lifetime I'll see the Lord come again. I don't know if I'll see the fulfillment of all the things that God has promised to me, but here's the difference. Abraham didn't know if in his lifetime He would receive the fulfillment of all the promises. But what he did know was that he would receive the fulfillment of all the promises. And that's why he continued on by faith. And by the way, you go on to Luke chapter 16. Where do you find Abraham? Abraham's bosom. We find him in that place called paradise. Guess what? I believe he made it to that city. That city God had prepared for him. And uh, there's a lot of truth we could benefit from in that. But boy, uh, if we're going to live a life by faith, we're going to have to choose to live a life um, that chooses to trust God even when you don't know if you're going to see the fulfillment of all the things you hope to see. Here's a fifth truth we'll look at along this line. A waiting faith is a faith that chooses to live by faith, and here's a hard one, even when you don't know why. Now, we've already talked about where, we've talked about when, we've talked about how, okay? Uh, we've talked about, uh, what was the last one? If, with this fifth one, a waiting faith will live by faith even when you don't know why. Now, look at the next verse here in verse number 17. Are you still with me? Say amen. We've got to wrap this thing up. And uh, it's hot in here, so I'm going to take this thing off too. Let's read verse number 17 together. Verse number 17. The Bible says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now, we've studied Genesis chapter 22 from from where this story comes from. It's the story of when uh, Abraham took Isaac up uh, on on, on the mount, and boy, it's, it's slipping my mind right now. What was the name of that mountain? Anybody remember what the name of that mountain was? Well, I'm sure you're saying it. I just can't hear you. But Genesis 22 is where it's found at. It's actually the same place where Jesus was crucified, if you study, if you study the whole thing out. Um, but Abraham's leading Isaac up on, that, up on that mountain, and God's told him to sacrifice him. 
Now, the Bible says here in verse number 17 that, that Abraham was tried by the Lord. That word tried, it's, it's the Greek parazo, and it means to be examined. To be examined with the purpose of bringing out that which is good. It's like a refining fire that, that weeds out that which is bad and purifies something uh, uh, to, make it, to make it more pure. When he has tried me, I'll come forth as gold, uh, is the idea expressed here. And, and you can mark it down. God's going to allow circumstances in your life that are trying circumstances. But his intention in allowing the trials of life to, to come up in your life is not to provoke you to sin, but to provoke you towards that which is good, to increase your faith in him. And that's what God did for Abraham here. And so Abraham, when he was tried, he made the decision to offer up Isaac. Now you'd think after all the waiting that he'd already done, you'd think after facing all the unanswered questions of where, believe in God even when he didn't know where, believe in God even when he didn't know when, believe in God even when he didn't know how, believe in God even when he didn't know if, it was all going to come to pass. You'd think he would have had it all figured out. You come to Genesis chapter 22, but he faces what I believe was his hardest test of faith of all of them. And God asked him to believe him even when he didn't know why. Think about it. He'd waited all this time, 25 years, or really 100 years to have a child, and 25 years since he came to faith in the Lord, just to have a son. And against impossible odds, he has the son that God promises him, and as the son begins to grow, God comes to him and says, I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice. I want you to kill him. I'm sure Abraham's sitting there thinking, why? You, you, promised, me that, you, you promised me this boy. Why? And there are a lot of circumstances that come up in our life that make us want to go, why? When us want to ask God why? Have you ever wanted to ask God why before? I do it a lot. I don't, we don't always understand why God's allowing the things he's allowing, but he always has a reason for the things that he is allowing. And he had a reason for why he was allowing this in Abraham's life as well. And so Abraham, he didn't struggle with this one. I'm sure in his heart he did, but there's no record of him making a decision other than what God had told him to do. We don't have time to go back there tonight, but you go back to Genesis 22, you find as soon as God told him to do it, the next day, he was packing things up, and he was heading where God told him to go, to go sacrifice his son. And he went through the whole process. The Bible says there in, in verse number 17 that when he was tried, he offered up Isaac. The tense of that verb, offered up, it means it was as good as done in his heart. As soon as he lifted up that knife to kill his son, it was coming down. He had every intention of following through and doing what God had told him to do, even though he didn't understand why. You say, what would compel a person to do something like that? Well, the rest of the verse tells us why he was able to follow what God had told him to do by faith. It says, he offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises... Offered up his only begotten son. I propose to you that the reason he, he, he was able to trust God, even when he didn't know why God was telling him to do what he was doing, is because that statement right there, he had received the promises. What were the promises? We'll look at the rest of the verse 18. Of whom it was said, read this phrase with me out loud, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. See, God had already told him, I'm going to make a great nation of you through this boy right here. And Abraham believed that so much. God's word, 
God, you told me you're going to make a great nation of me, and you told me you're going to do it through my son Isaac specifically. And I don't know why you're telling me to offer him up as a sacrifice, but I'm going to believe that you're going to keep your word. So much so that in verse number 19, it says that he accounted or he reckoned that God was able to do something. What? Raise him up from the dead, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now this is astounding. It's more astounding than I think we often give it credit. Because before this point in history, in Abraham's life, nobody had ever been risen from the dead. We're living on the other side of the gospel where Jesus went around right and left raising people from the dead. Even later in the Old Testament, people are raised from the dead. But there was no pre-context of someone dying and coming back to life in Abraham's mind. He was believing in something that literally in his mind was an impossibility. It had never happened before. It's not like he could go back and say, well, God, you raised Lazarus from the dead. And I believe you can raise my son from the dead. No, no, nobody else has been raised from the dead. But Abraham believed so much in what God had told him that even though he didn't know why God was telling him to do what he was telling him to do, he still chose to go forward and do what God had told him to do, believing that God was still going to keep his word. I don't know about you, but that's a great measure of faith in my mind and in my heart. And that is what we see Abraham did in this passage of Scripture. And so we see that Abraham chose to believe God even when he didn't understand why God was asking him to do what he was asking him to do. And I say to you this evening that a patient waiting faith will trust God even when you don't understand why he is asking you to do what he is asking you to do. Those moments of why. When you just do what God tells you to do, even though you don't know why, and you don't understand why he's telling you to do what he's telling you to do. That are the, those are the moments that truly grow your faith. And we see Abraham as our example in this thing. Hey, Job was this way as well. Remember what Job said? Job chapter 13, verse 15, he said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. God, you can kill me, but I'm still going to trust that you're doing exactly what's right for me. You know, I don't know why you've allowed all this to happen in my life. Later on in Job chapter 23, verse number 10, he said, But he, God, knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. The why questions of life are sometimes the hardest questions that we face in life. Why did you take my loved one away from me? Why did you allow me to lose my job? Why did you allow me to face financial ruin? Why have you allowed this to happen to my, chil to my child? There's all kinds of why questions that we ask, and they're very hard to answer sometimes. And sometimes God doesn't let us know on this side of eternity why either, by the way. But a patient faith, even when you don't understand why, will choose to go on trusting God. Even then. The Apostle Paul wanted to know why. Uh, go, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Keep your place marked in Hebrews 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Or, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul wanted to, go, wanted to know why. He came to the Lord in three different, long, intense seasons of prayer, I believe. And he asked the Lord, why have you given me this thorn in the flesh? And just so we're clear, he didn't have a wife, so it couldn't have been his wife, okay? But... I digress. Why have you given me this thorn in the flesh? We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. 
Three, three, seasons, three, three, three different intense seasons of prayer, the apostle Paul came and he, he essentially asked God why. In 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8, the Bible says, for, the apostle Paul said, For this thing I sought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. The only answer he ever got back from the Lord was, was in verse number 9. And he said unto me, let's read it out loud together, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient. In other words, God said, I'm not going to tell you why. I just want you to trust me. What did Paul say in the rest of verse 9? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory now in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul found out, and God not answering his why, and just teaching him to trust him, that that's where he found his true strength. God, I don't know why you've allowed me to have this health trial. I don't know why you've put this in my life, but I'm thankful for it because it's taught me to trust you more. Because it's revealed to me that I can't do it without you. It's brought me to the end of myself. And he said, God, I'm thankful for it now. And sometimes that's why God puts the why questions in our life, by the way. So would you be willing to trust God even when you don't know why? See, a a, a patient faith lives by faith even when you don't know why, even when you don't know if. But the last one I want you to notice and we'll be done is you'll live by faith even when you don't know how long. How long. Let's read the rest of the chapter because these three patriarchs, their stories are very similar here. And we'll just breeze over these. But verse number 20, it says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning upon the top of his staff. And by faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. There are literally... So many things that could have been written about each one of these men and about the faith that they practiced, but God only chose one primary thing to write about all three of these patriarchs that stood out about their faith. And let me tell you what that one thing was. Each one of these men lived their lives waiting for God to fulfill his promise to them even when they didn't know how long it was going to take for him to do so. The Bible says, by faith... Isaac, he blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now you help me out. We've studied this not too long ago. Who was, Jacob's, uh, who was Isaac's favorite son? Esau. He liked his firstborn son, right? And uh, they were twins, but Esau came out first. Remember Isaac wanted to bless Esau. God told him to bless Jacob. And the Bible says by faith, Isaac, he blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Remember, even when Esau came and said, Dad, can't you give me the blessing back? Isaac said, no. This, this, this is what the Lord has said is going to happen. And he exercised faith and faith in making that decision. He didn't know when it was going to happen, but he believed that God told him that he was going to bring a blessing to, 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 the, to the world and, and, and to his posterity through Jacob. And he believed in, in God's elect one and his chosen, in the chosen son that God had said he was, he was going to go with in that scenario. Then you go down to verse number 21, and the Bible says, By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, he blessed both the sons of Joseph, and he worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Now here's old Jacob. Jacob, at the end of his life, he's, uh, by the way, this is a sidebar, the Bible says he's leaning upon his staff. You remember why Jacob had to limp on his staff because he wrestled with God. At the end of his days, in spite of all the 
stuff we're learning about him right now, okay? And he made a lot of mistakes. At the end of his days, we still find old Jacob limping on his staff. It's a picture of him walking with God. It's a picture of him keeping his faith. There he is leaning on his staff, and he blesses both the sons of Joseph. Now, there's, there's a story in that of itself because Jacob did the same thing that God did for him. He, he blessed the younger over the older, and uh, 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 Manasseh and Ephraim, and uh, the one that he blessed became the, the greater of the two. And uh, so there's, there's, there's something in there, but it's not pertinent to the application, so I'm not going to park there right now. But there again, we find that Isaac, he chose to live by faith, even, even though he didn't know how long it was going to be before God brought all these promises to pass. Jacob blesses the two sons of Joseph, even though in his mind's eye, he still can't see how God's going to bring all this to pass. And then we come to Joseph. And in Joseph, the Bible says, by faith, Joseph, when he died, he made mention of what? The departing of the children of Israel. You know what the, the Greek word used there for departing is? Exodus. <laughs> I like that. We know what Exodus is, don't we? Um, and Joseph, before he died... He had, now there's a lot of things that Joseph did by faith. You make no mistake about that. But the one thing God saw fit to mention here was that Joseph believed so much that God was going to do what he said he was going to do, that he was going to bring them back to the place of, his, to the, to the place of Canaan, the place God had promised to give to them, even though he didn't know how long it was going to take either. And by the way, if anybody could have gone away from this, it, could, it, it would have been Joseph. I mean, Joseph was the second in command in Egypt, and he could have told him, you know what, let's just stay here for a while. Let's just settle in. God's made me very successful here. If anybody could have deviated from his faith, it probably would have been Joseph, but Joseph didn't allow success to remove him from his faith. And even when he was dying, he told his children, one day, God's going to bring us home. One day, God's going to fulfill his promise to us. I don't know how long it's going to be, but it's going to happen. And he believed in it so much that he packed himself up in a box. And he says, when that day comes, I want you to take me with you. All right? Today we wouldn't pack ourselves in a box. Today we put ourselves in urns, okay? <laughs> that might be what we do today. There's Grandpa over there on the shelf. <laughs> That's essentially what was happening here. And Joseph said, I, God's going to keep his word. I don't know how long it's going to be, but when that day comes... I want you to bring my bones and bury me back home. He didn't know how long it was going to take. You know, that really is applicable to us. Because we're living in a day and time. We don't know how long it's going to be. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3 that in the last days they're going to come scoffers. who are going to say, where are the signs of the Lord's coming? What's all this nonsense you say about the end times and Jesus coming back and all of these things? The truth is, we don't know how long it's going to be, but Christians throughout the ages have lived up until this point believing the fact that Jesus is coming again. We don't know how long it's going to be before he comes again. We don't know how long it's going to be before he comes and executes vengeance on this old wicked world like we learned about this morning. We don't know how long it's going to be, but we do know that it's going to be, and we live our life as the children of God in anticipation of the fact that there is coming a day when everything God has said he is going to do is going to come to pass. And that is a life of patient faith, a life lived by faith even when you don't know how long 
and how important that is for us to understand. My daughter has been quoting me a verse she's learned in Miss Abby's class. Where's Miss Abby at? You know, a great job teaching the kids this. They memorize it. She's, she's six years old and memorize six verses. I can quote them. She's, she's proud of it. In fact, she tries to quote them to every person she meets. But uh, John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me, Jesus said. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, how can we know where? You, how can we know the way to where you're going? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus has told us he's coming. And friend, as the Bible says in the book of Revelation, even so come, Lord Jesus. Even so come. We need to live with that continued patient faith. Though we don't know how long it's going to be, we know it's coming. Though we, though we give our dying breath in this world, we know it's still coming. That's the type of faith we see demonstrated from the life of these people in the Scripture. And so a waiting faith is not an idle faith. Awaiting faith is a faith that grasps a hold of the promises of God and lives in expectation of the fulfillment of them. Awaiting faith is a faith that chooses to obey even when questions are left unanswered, like the wear of life. I talked to a young man this morning and he said, I feel like I really need to talk, talk to somebody because and he was talking to me about wanting to sit down with me because I just don't know where God wants me to go, and I'm a little nervous about going the direction he wants me to go because I don't know where it's going to lead me. I'm excited to sit down with him and tell him, that's exactly how it's supposed to be, buddy. That's what faith is all about. A patient faith lives by faith even when you don't know where, even when you don't know when, even when you don't know how, even if you don't know if, even when you don't know why, even when you don't know how long. It's just trusting God even when you don't know. That's living by faith. And that's what God wants us to do. The Old Testament puts it this way, wait on the Lord. Just wait on the Lord. It's not a waiting like you're sitting in a doctor's office like I said last week. It's a waiting like you're a waiter at a restaurant, okay? You're waiting on his every bid and call. And when he's ready to come, you're there. When he, when he tells you you need to do something, you do it. All right? Now, how many of you have ever been a wait waitress before or a waiter? Okay? If you've been it, and I, I've done it a little bit. I wasn't good at it, but I did it. And uh, sometimes people would ask me to do things. And I'd be like, well, why in the world do they want that? Why in the world do you want ketchup with your pancakes? Are you okay? You want me to call 911? Sometimes that's how it is with God. He tells us to do things, but we're waiting on Him. That's a waiting faith. I'll leave you with a song, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you this week. You guys know that song of Isaiah 41, or 4031? If you know it with me, sing it with me. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up 
with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. One more time for good measure. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. And may we have that patient faith like we learned from the patriarchs, even willing to wait when you don't know all of those things. Let's bow our heads together.